listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And so I wanted today to to talk about something that really, it got in my spirit and I started thinking more and more and more about it and looking in the word about it. And one of the things I'm noticing, and I'm sure you're noticing this more and more, is that and this, and what you saw in the, in the comments, this annoyed uh, the Apostle Paul. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Uh, I'll put that comment up in the in the uh, window. Zero nine oh three asked, "Is it too late to register for Bible study school?" It is not. Registration opened yesterday, by the way, and uh, our brand new series, "Supercharging Your Devotions," is starting on Monday. So you have this whole week to um, join and be a part. But once this week's over, the registration's closing and uh, you won't be able to get in. So a great question, but is go to miraclewordu.com and you can sign up there, bible.miracleword.com and get get started. It's not uh, a wait list anymore. The course registration is open. It opened yesterday and it's open for just a few days. But this new series we're about to launch on Monday, Supercharging Your Devotions. I believe it's going to be the best thing we've ever done in Bible study made simple because we get so many questions about it. And uh, the good news is it's only um, $15 a month and you get a video every single week. So I encourage you to go sign up. It's going to be amazing. And again, the first uh, teaching in that new series comes up this Monday, this coming Monday. So don't miss it. It's going to be great. Um, This is something that annoyed the Apostle Paul. And I started thinking about it because you read these letters, you know, from Paul and Peter and John, and you can see when they're annoyed (laughs) and you can see when they're uh, very irritated with, with things that are going on in the churches. And um, I would say probably one of the churches that annoyed the apostle Paul, the two churches that probably annoyed him the most were the Corinthian church and the Galatian church. And we did a whole study on Galatians, by the way, inside Bible study made simple. If you want to go back and get that, it's in Miracle Word University uh, by itself. You can you can get it and go through that book study with us. And he was he was irritated with them. And he said, same with the Corinthians. And I said, you know, I'm noticing. That in like the generation we're living in now, I'm noticing that this same um, mistake that annoyed him back then is happening again now in many places, many churches. And uh, obviously, if it annoyed him, it was annoying the Holy Spirit who was inspiring him. Um, and, and I wanted to read about it because obviously we want to do everything we, we can not to tick God off. <laughs> I think one of our, I think one of our uh, goals should be to avoid ticking God off as believers. Um, but this was very, very easily... Um, one of the biggest issues they were having in the Corinthian church. And uh, so I want, I want you to look at it with me. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, um, you know, <clears throat> to, to preface this, it, if, it feels like, tell me if you notice this too, it feels like in 
as you're, as you're looking at, whether it's just in America, I don't know, around the world, people are either like overly spiritual or they're not spiritual at all. And I mean, even the leaders, I mean, even the church leaders, even preachers, they're either overly spiritual or they're just not spiritual at all. You say, well, how can you be overly spiritual? Well, what I mean by that is, good morning, Trinity co-dance in the house. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, <laughs> I don't mean that they're really pressing into the spirit. I don't believe that you can properly be too spiritual, but they start getting so goofy in the spiritual realm that they've gone beyond what the Bible even teaches. And they're just looking for these manifestations that aren't even found in the Bible, you know, super spiritual. Uh, and, and, and I don't mean in a good way, you know, people that are looking for every other type of manifestation, you know, we're looking for, I was, we were in the service the other night and I began to see there were feathers that floated down and there's gold dust. I saw gold dust over there and I'm, I'm oh, there were gems, gems just begin to show up. And it's like, good morning, Heather. And it's like, you know, that's uh, not in the Bible. Those manifestations, the apostles never saw them. Jesus never saw them. You know, why are you pushing for manifestations that that Jesus and the apostles and the early church never saw, never wanted to see? You know, there was never a time where Jesus was like, you know, if you press into my spirit enough, you'll begin to see gold dust and feathers and gems will show. It's not in the Bible. And it, it blows my mind that we have people that they're dissatisfied with the results we should be seeing, like salvation, baptism in the Holy Ghost, uh, healings, deliverance, true deliverance. They're not uh, satisfied with those. Some, somehow they've gotten bored. Somehow they've gotten bored with the things the Bible says we should be seeing. And now they're pursuing other things that are not even found in the Bible. And it's like, dude, what, what in the world is going on that you are, you know, I'm telling you, I was in the service and I'm just, and we're pressing in for this, but I begin to smell the rose of Sharon. Praise God if you smelled the rose of Sharon, but I don't have anywhere in the scripture that tells me to expect the rose of Sharon. I'm, you know, you've had a real service when the scent of the rose of Sharon comes in the room. It's like, okay, I'm not believing for the scent. I'll take it. Thank you. My wonderful and beautiful wife just brought me a coffee and she is absolutely wonderful and beautiful and beautiful. <laughs> she said, Oh my gosh, got the coffee. Now we're going to another level. I don't hear anybody in, in the comments section. Good morning, Lisa Novak. We love you. Mm, I feel victory. The, the question is, didn't they see this? But you know, I don't care where they saw it. You know, it doesn't matter to me it, where, where they had it. It's not in the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, I don't care about it. You know, I don't care about it. And, you know, people get all weirded out. So well, why is that bad? I mean, aren't they just hungry people? No, it's bad because if you're disinterested with the things that Jesus actually told us to look for and expect, then you're not doing the work of the kingdom. It's like, isn't that just like the enemy? to try to get us dissatisfied and disinterested with the things that God said we should be expecting so that we go after things God never talked about. You know, that's, oh, Stephen Herbert said, you can talk about the Rose of Sharon, but what about the coffee of Carolyn? I don't hear anybody in here. Um, 
But it, it, it's just like the devil to want us to get dissatisfied with the results that Jesus expected, the apostles expected, the early church expected, that they were looking for, souls to be added to the church, people healed, people filled with the Holy Ghost, people delivered, and get dissatisfied with that so that we then go and pursue aren't even in the Bible. I'm not looking for my teeth that, you know, to turn gold. I'm not looking for gold dust on my hands. I'm not looking to smell a rose. I'm not looking for gems to show up. Now, of course, if you people want to send gems, that's a whole other story. But I, I'm not looking for supernatural gems to show up as a manifestation. I'm believing for souls to be saved. I'm believing for healing. I'm believing for deliverance. And so, and then, then you go even further. You got this whole group now that I've done series on. I've done videos on that. Uh, you know, teaching stuff that's never that's never been in the Bible. It's not in the Bible of Christians being demon possessed, which is total bull crap. If you ask me, it's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the New Testament. I dealt with that. I won't go into it again. Did whole broadcasts on it. These guys, have, they're out of their mind. I think many of them, they may have good intentions, but they're out of their mind if they think that they're doing something that they say they're doing, seeing Christians uh, delivered from demon possession. If you're demon possessed, you're not a Christian. Only, only way you can be a Christian is to be Holy Ghost possessed. Holy Ghost possessed. He seals people's salvation. So, then you have that side. So that's like the that's like the overly spiritual, kooky, you know, just nuts. People doing crazy stuff and calling it the Holy Ghost. It is not the Holy Ghost. But then you have the other side of the spectrum as well. And the other side of the spectrum is people that aren't spiritual at all. I mean, they're just not spiritual at all. Just carnal Christians. And um, that's, that's really what I want to hit because this is what annoyed the apostle Paul, totally annoyed him. And obviously it annoyed the Holy Spirit. This carnality found in the body of Christ. You know, it's like, I can even remember when I was growing up, you know, being around different ministers and ministries. You know, if somebody was a minister, you knew they were a minister. They they talked about spiritual things. They were interested in spiritual things. And um, and I'm sure that there were, there were people like this back then too, but you know, it's like they took it seriously. It wasn't like, I'm trying to think of the best way to even describe what I'm talking about. There's people today, it's like they're using the ministry as a way to become a celebrity or something like that. I, people are more interested in being famous than they are uh, doing the work God called them to do. It's, it's I, don't, I don't know how to quite explain it. It's 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 a weird thing to see. You, you see people that are, super carnal. I mean, super carnal in leadership positions. And it's like, you know, why is it that when you're, if you're a pastor, you know, and I don't care how big your church is, why every Sunday do you have to post a carousel of pictures of yourself, not of your family, of you personally in an outfit that you chose in like nine different poses from nine different angles? Uh, you know, smiling, laughing, you know, showing your outfit. So I was like, what are you doing? You're like a full grown man. You're like 40 something years old. Why are you, why are you posting nine pictures of yourself on Instagram on Sunday morning? You're the pastor of the church. Why are you, you know, it's not like, like it's your senior pictures. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you playing like slow motion pictures of you walking from your car into your service. And it's like, it's like, why, why are you doing that? Why do you need nine or 10 pictures? And it's like, I'm not telling people not to post pictures. 
you know, we post pictures, but it's like, you know, if you ever see me start doing photo shoots where it's just like me, you don't see Carolyn, you don't see the kids, you don't see my team, you don't see the church, you don't see the meeting. It's just like me in different outfits, like, you know, doing a, like a, like a modeling my, my closet. It's like, dude, what, how can you be so into yourself full of pride? It's like, man, yeah, those, those are amazing. We need to get those 10 up on Instagram ASAP. It's like, dude, what, what is going on? It's like totally carnal, totally carnal. You know, I don't, and I don't comment on these guys stuff or anything like that, but it made me laugh because <laughs> yesterday somebody had sent me a post from one of these uh, ministers and he's like, dude, what's going on with this? And sent me a post from one of these ministers. And I, and I looked, I saw, I saw that I couldn't see it in my DM. I was like, I don't know. It says content not available. And um, he said, well, you know, you know, this big, very big name minister. And I go to look and I click on their actual Twitter hand or their um, Instagram handle. I'm blocked. <laughs> I'm blocked from their account. And I'm like, why in the world would I be blocked from their account? I've never even met this person. I've never spoken to this person. I've never commented on any of their posts. And I've never sent them any direct messages ever. I have no connection with this person. And then I go and see <laughs> that I'm blocked and I don't know why, but there's maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe me just saying things vaguely got back to them. But, you know, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous that you have um, people that are so carnal that the stuff going on in their church is carnal. You know, the stuff that they're doing in the church is not even spiritual. There's a problem there. And I want to read to you what the Apostle Paul said. And this is the thing that I said ticks off the Lord. It obviously ticked off the Apostle Paul. And I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to start with verse number 1. And this is what it says. Dear brothers, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Now get this. I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. See that infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food hmm. because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? Notice that. After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you've believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. So notice what's happening. He's saying you're acting like, and, and if you read through um, the Corinthian letters, one thing you'll find is that they were not just acting in this way, uh, very carnal and very young-minded in the faith, but they're doing all kinds of stuff. You had a dude that was just like, sleeping with his stepmother and, you know, bragging about it in the church. Paul's like, stop that. And if he won't stop it, throw him out of the church. If he won't stop acting like that, toss him out of the church. And then here's what's crazy. 
if you read the beginning of the Corinth, first Corinthians, you know what you find is Paul saying, you guys are abounding in spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts at work in your church. You have no shortage of utterance. You have no shortage of these different gifts at work. He said, in fact, you don't lack or come behind in any spiritual gift, not one of them. So here, here's an interesting thing. <clears throat> it's the Holy Spirit working with them. However, they still had work to do personally. They still had work to do personally. So there's an encouragement here in knowing that uh, no matter what level you might be at in, in your Christianity, the Lord can still use you. The Lord can still use you. In fact, good morning, Nancy. In fact, think of this. In the Great Commission, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, as the Great Commission is being given, what does it say? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved. And those that don't believe will be damned. Watch this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Many times people read that and think it's talking about the signs that are following the apostles that went out into the world. It's not saying that. It's saying after you've preached the gospel and people get saved, these signs will follow those that get saved. So you know what it means? Baby Christians. It means baby Christians. It means that as soon as they get saved, signs will follow these believers. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not talking about people that have been in the church for 20 years, 50 years, you know, spent their, they're a third generation Christian. There were no third generation Christians then. Christianity had just begun, right? So what's it saying? People that are very new to the faith can be used by God. People that are very new to the faith can operate in supernatural power, but just because supernatural power might be operating in your life, it doesn't relieve you of the responsibility of becoming spiritually mature. We work towards spiritual maturity, right? We want to continue to um, grow in faith, grow in knowledge, grow in maturity, grow in strength. That's our responsibility. That's why Paul told Timothy, you study to show yourself approved a workman that does not need to be ashamed. So what does that mean? Morning, Mona. Uh, it means that there are some workmen that need to be ashamed. He said, study to show yourself approved so that you can be a workman that does not need to be ashamed. So meaning some of them have not properly prepared themselves and they should be ashamed of the level they're at. And we don't want to be ashamed. In fact, the Bible tells us how to grow like that. It tells us how to grow. Uh, and I'll show it to you. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for what? To teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the teaching of scripture, the teaching of God's word is what gives us the faith to grow and the parameters to grow and gives us that ability to grow. See, he shows us what's right and helps us to realize what's wrong in our lives or what needs to change. Now, I read it to you there in the Ink New Living Translation. Listen to the ESV. All scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and correction, and for training in righteousness. That's what we're doing. We're training right now. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Actually, the Greek there, the man of God, it actually is the messenger of God. The messenger of God. So if you're if you're a believer, you're a messenger of God. You've got a message that's been given to us by the Holy Ghost for this world. You have a message. And so it's amazing to me that this carnality that's in the body of Christ, it's like people don't even, it's like there's people that don't even care about spiritual things. It's like they don't even care about uh, uh, the manifestations of God's presence. I've never seen it where people don't even care about whether or not people are saved. You know, it's like, they don't do anything to see people saved. They don't care if there's people saved at their church. I preached at a church one time, and you could tell. Not only did they not want uh, anything really to change in their church, they didn't want new people coming to their church. You could just tell. It was like the same 20 people for 30 years, and now they were in their 70s. You know, I'm preaching there, and all 20 people are in their 70s. This is like what, right when I started out in evangelism. Because, you know, when you start out in evangelism uh, and you're traveling, man, you're you're taking every <laughs> you're taking every invitation you get. And it doesn't matter <laughs> where that invitation is coming from. You're like, yeah, 20, 20, 70 year old people. Absolutely. I'll take it. Uh, a nursing home wants a sing along. I'll do it. You know, it's like, oh, you want me to come? I remember one time they were like, hey, would you do this um, youth meeting? And I thought it was going to be like a youth church meeting. I was like, sure. And I went all the way to Canada to do this meeting. And uh, I find, so it's like I'm standing there with my Bible and, and everything. And we're in like a parking lot. And they're doing like a basketball tournament. And uh, I'm sitting there. And, all the, you know, there's all these sweaty guys from around the city, like doing, uh, you know, basketball. And I was young. I just started traveling and um, and all this. And and they're doing these three on three tournaments for prizes and everybody's in shorts and tank tops and sweaty. And I thought, okay, well, when this is done, I'm sure we're going to, you know, give them time to get ready. And then we'll go into the church, have praise and worship, you know, let the spirit of God touch the people. I'll get up, take the mic and preach. Nope. Nope. It was like in the middle of the three on three tournament, they blew a whistle and then they like walked over and they told everybody to come over this way. And they just moved all the sweaty guys to one side of the court. And they handed me a mic and they're like, go ahead. And I was like, oh, this this is the youth meeting? Yes. You and when you're first starting out, you basically take, you know, whatever, whatever you get. And so, <laughs> I was preaching in this church that was like uh, you know, 20, 70-year-old people. And 20s being generous. You know, it, it might have been like 16, 17 uh people in the building. And you could tell that they, you know, they didn't. They didn't uh, want anyone new in their church. It's like, how come there's no young people here? Because they don't want young young people there. The young, young people come in here and ruin our church. They'll probably come in here and pr- try to bring those blue lights and their electric guitars. I mean, it's like, so you realize they've got no desire to see souls saved. They got no desire to see the church grow. They've got no desire to see anybody uh, delivered. You know, they're just all they want is to be in their comfortable pattern of doing their thing through the week, coming to their church. This is my church. Coming to their church on Sunday morning, 
and having the pastor preach a nice message so they can feel like they've punched their spiritual card and then they can go home and eat whatever food that they've put out, you know, and they don't want the church. Well, here's the problem. I'm looking around at 16 or 17, 70 some year olds. And I'm thinking, man, if the Lord is generous to you, you know, you've got 10, 12 years left. And uh, then think of this. You don't have a church after that. Yeah, you don't have a church after that. The church is gone because there's nobody new coming. There's nobody young being raised up. And once all of you hit 85 or 90, it's done. And the church comes to an end. That's not God's plan. <laughs> Ashley said, I got the stank eye on Easter for being in one of their seats. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that too. People would come in these, these pews with plaques on the side because their family donated the pew. I saw uh, a preacher told me this. He said there was a, a, a visitor that came in. He didn't know anything about that. About my family donated this pew to the church. And then sits down as a first-time guest, and the, and the family shows up, basically yells at him. What are you doing? Can't you read? This is our family's pew. We donated this, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Guy, I mean, like, you know, you're not staying around after that. That's crazy. And so just pure carnality, pure carnality. People don't care about, there's people that don't care about spiritual things. This is why I'm so happy I'm talking to the Victory Tribe today because we're the opposite of this. And this is why sometimes I'll I'll pop on with these and just give you this guidance because there is a pull. Trust me when I tell you this. There is a pull toward carnality every day of your life and carnality in the spirit where you are pulled by the flesh to not do the things that the spirit wants you to do. That, that's why I'm showing you this because this is a, a temptation of the enemy. And, and I'll take you, uh, go with me. I'll show you what I mean. Uh, Galatians chapter five, you know there that Paul's teaching about uh, the spirit versus the flesh, right? The spirit versus the flesh. That's the, that's the battle that we have forever until the rapture or until we die is the spirit versus the flesh. They fight against each other, the Bible says. And Paul writes to the Galatians and uh, I'll read you verses 16 and 17. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit. So this is a command. He's not saying the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you're going to walk by the Spirit. I mean, the Holy Ghost is going is to hit you. And I mean, you can just throw it into cruise control because he's going to carry you. No, it's a responsibility. He's giving them a command. That's it. I'll put that up. That's what I'm that's where I'm at right now. Um, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He's giving them a command. Walk by the Spirit. That's a command. He said, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Amen. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. There it is. They fight against one another. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. It's a battle. It's about, it's a battle. And these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There it is. To keep you from doing the things you want. So who's the you he's talking about? Because if there's a fight internally, 
and the flesh wants one and the spirit wants another, then who's the you? The you is their spirit man. That's who he's talking to. He's the, he, the you he's speaking to is your spirit wants to do some things that please God, but your flesh is trying to keep you back. He, did you know that he said the own the same thing about his own body? I always point this out because here's an apostle. Here's an apostle. And uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he talks about, he's not just pointing his finger at the churches. He's pointing his finger at himself. And what does he say? 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I discipline my body. That, that phrasing always blew my mind, how he would say that. I discipline my body. Well, who's the I? Once again, it's his spirit man. It's his spirit man. I discipline my body and keep it under control so that after having preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Think of that. Think of that. He's saying this as a warning to the Corinthian church. Once again, it's the Corinthian church. And what is he saying? He's saying, I have to discipline my body. So it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility. I have to discipline my body and keep it under control. So it's not going to happen for us. It's going to happen by us. So that after having preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified. And if you look at another translation, he's actually talking about becoming a reprobate or somebody that does not have that covenant with God. You see, and so in that first Corinthians 9, 27, that's eye opening because Paul's even saying I could fall into this if I don't take action right now. In fact, if I go a little bit above it to verse 24, notice the analogy Paul's giving. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. There's it. That's right. There's what he's talking about. Self-control. They do not receive a perishable wreath, but we, uh, they receive it. They do it to receive an imp- a perishable wreath, but we imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul's saying you're in a race, run to win. Run to obtain the prize. Hallelujah. Run to win. Run to obtain the prize. That's the key. That's the key. And notice there's this pull toward um, carnality. There's a pull toward carnality. Hmm. Let me read this to you. Here's a prophecy, and you can put this in the comments as well. Here's a prophecy from Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's let's start with verse 1. So if you put that in the comments, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And I want you to see this because, man, it is unbelievable how quickly This is coming to pass in our generation. Look, he said, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of themselves. (laughs) 
What would cause anybody to post a carousel of 10 selfies? Lovers of themselves. Now, I'm not, I understand people post selfies. That's fine if you do. I just always am weirded out by it when it's like the pastor of the church who's getting ready to go into the service. He's like, hey, before we go into the church, I need somebody to get, I need somebody to get 10 shots of me in my outfit. Make sure you focus on different parts of my outfit too. Look at the pin that's on my jacket. Make sure you check out my shoes. Make sure you get a picture of me, you know, tying up my shoes. Make sure you get a picture of me against the brick wall smiling. It's like, dude, what is going on? Morning, morning, Ted. They will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, without self-control, without self-control. There's a prophecy here. In the last days, people will drift over into a place without self-control. That's why when, when you hear me, um, when you hear me say about the fruit of the spirit, that I believe that self-control is the most important fruit of the spirit that there is. Now, I know Paul said, uh, faith, hope, and love will endure forever, but the greatest of these is love, and love is a fruit of the spirit. Paul said, love is the greatest. Um, and I'm not denying that or contradicting what the Bible says, I believe love is the greatest because God is love, right? God is love. Faith works by love. If you're outside of love, you're outside of God. But remember, love is a choice. Love doesn't just happen. Love is a choice. You have to choose to walk in love. You have to choose to show love. You have to choose to speak in love. Doesn't just automatically happen just because you're a Christian. So if it's a if it's a choice, then what's the most important fruit of the Spirit? Self-control. If it's a choice, then the most important is self-control. Because if I don't have self-control, then I can't choose to walk in love. If I'm not empowered by the Holy Ghost to, to do that, I can't choose to walk in love or joy or peace or patience, gentleness, goodness. I can't do it. That's why self-control and my opinion, is the most important fruit of the Spirit. And look at that. The prophecy is that in the last days, there will be people without self-control. Hmm. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. There it is. There it is. Got to see myself. Oh, put me up. I look so good. Feeling cute. Might delete later. No. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. You see that? Avoid such people. That's heavy. Say, are you serious? Yeah, avoid such people. So, I, you know, that's why I'm not on here being, I'm not upset. You know, I'm not upset about being blocked or if people don't, if there's people that don't want to hang with me or talk to me or whatever. I don't mind that because I'm already very um, guarded about who my circle is. I don't need everybody. I need the right people. Amen. I need the victory tribe. I don't need everybody. I need the right people. I'm not trying to, to be buddies with everybody. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. I need the same like faith type people 
that are joined with me, that are going to believe for miracles, signs, and wonders, that are going to walk in holiness, walk in righteousness, that are going to study to show themselves approved, that are going to never get cold, that are not going to back off the gospel, that are not going to water down the message, amen, that are not going to uh, have a form of godliness and then deny the power. We're not denying the power. Amen. I don't care how many people don't like it. I don't care how many people get offended by it. We still lay hands on the sick. We still cast out devils. We still pray for deliverance. Amen. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I laid into it last night. I'm not afraid to preach about the importance of clarity, knowing who you are in Christ. And if you don't know this right now, look around. There is a war on for people's identity. That's why we have gender dysphoria. That's why we have people that are battling uh, who they are, what they should be. That's why the devil has deceived people into believing that they're a cat or they're a frog self. I need you to refer to me as frog self because I'm, I've always identified as a frog. And it's a it's an attack against the identity that God created you in, which is his likeness and his image. And the devil hates it, so he tries to change it. Hey, Josiah, he hates it, so he tries to change it. That's why the devil's working against this generation. Uh, you know, I was um, I was born, you know, in the wrong body. And it's like, what do you think? God, God just makes mistakes. You're going to call God a liar. You're going to call God a failure. That's he's not a failure and he's not a liar. You're not a frog. You're not a wolf. You're not a frog. Uh, or I should say a kitten wearing ears and a tail need litter boxes at your public school. You're not a vampire. There's people going now. <laughs> it's like it's like you never thought if 20 years ago you thought you told somebody you're going to have to get on in about 20 years um uh and you're going to have to tell people that are Christians, you know, your your child's not a cat, your child's not a frog. You know, your child is not a a a vampire. People would have just laughed at you like you were insane. They would have just thought, you know, what what are you talking about? Now, we're, we're, there's such an attack against people's identity in Christ who they are. They're, such, they're fighting to try to make people believe something about themselves. Let me tell you, it's, it's, it's not normal. It's an attack of the devil. And when I looked last week and saw there was a press conference um, speaking on behalf of the LGBTQIA plus community, I saw that they had added two new letters, two, well, two new, uh, I should say characters, 2S. And I told Alex, I said, Google that. What is 2S? It stands for two spirits. Two spirits. So now there's people that are just admitting straight up, I got two spirits living in here. <laughs> yeah, we know. We've known for a while. We've known for a while. And there's a reason all this stuff is going on. And and now now let me let me reveal to you the devious plan of the devil. Because the devil knows the importance of spirituality. So you know what he wants? He wants a uh, he wants the church at large. He wants the church at large to have a non-spiritual functionality so that he's the only one doing spiritual things. Get that trick. Get that trick. He wants to be the only one operating in the spirit realm. So what does he want? He wants the church to not be spiritual. He wants the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to get more and more carnal, to be, uh, you know, have a form of godliness, deny God's power. He wants to kick out 
uh, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we don't operate in that. No more uh, laying hands on people. No more tongues and interpretation. No more gifts of the Spirit. No more deliverance. No more power of God. Just come in and have a nice service that doesn't offend anybody. Just come in, you know, and make sure. Why? Because when you've got a church like that, where there's no power, denying the power thereof, that means he's the only one then doing spiritual things. And we're just sitting here carnally going through the motions. That's why the Bible says, don't, don't associate with those kinds of people. When you find them, turn away from them because it's a cancer that spreads through the body, be, body of Christ because here's why. It is a spiritual battle that we're in. If you remember, that's it, James. He, he says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, quoting the scripture. And it's exactly right. And then think of this as well. Paul told the Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're not natural weapons, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So if you're not using spiritual weapons, you've got no ability to pull down strongholds, none, none. So you're just going to be a social club that meets in a church building with no ability to change anybody's life. None. R. Roberts said, where is your physical church located? We are in West Palm Beach. All the information's at miracleword.com. And so what happens is uh, that we, we have a church that has no ability to break chains, to break the yoke of destruction that's on people's lives. So they just have to teach them how to just deal with it. You know, we, you know, sometimes these things come, then they change their theology. You know, sometimes these things happen to people and you just got to ask the Lord to give you the strength to just carry it, to deal with it, to live with it. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible does not teach you to ask God to just give you the strength to just deal with it. And I know that this is how you, no, no, no. And it saddens me to see pastors of large churches get up in their pulpits for whatever reason. I don't know why they do it. I don't know if it's because they feel like they'll lose their platform or that as many people won't buy their books or people will leave their church and take their tithe somewhere else. I don't know why they do it. To get up in their pulpits and say, man, I wish God would have made it more easy for those of us that are pastors and Christians uh, to figure out, you know, where we stand on, on gay marriage. And I just, I wish God would have made it more simple in his word uh, to just figure out like what, how we should address um, things like the transgender issue. And, you know, I, I just don't know. I just, I don't understand. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Then I hear another church that literally their pastors are on a live stream together, the husband and wife that are pastors. Uh, and they're talking about this and someone sent in a question and said, what if there's a, a gay couple that gets ma that's married, you know, but then they get saved, you know, after they're uh, already married, should they get a divorce? And the pastors, the pastors of the church said, ooh, that's a really good question. I don't know. Because, you know, God does hate divorce. God hates divorce. So maybe, you know, if, if they're after they're married uh, and they, then they get saved, maybe if they just stay in that monogamous relationship, and you know, if they're if they're faithful. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? It's like, how hard is it to understand what the Bible says? It's not hateful to acknowledge what the Bible says. Everyone, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Any sin is sin that has to be addressed. And you say like, well, you know, what if, it's like, here's what's crazy. Do that with any other sin 
This is how brainwashed the church has become. Because if you do that with any other sin and quote it like that, you sound like an insane person. You sound like an insane person. Well, you know, what if what if a guy was, you know, a, a molester before he got saved, but now it's like, you know, he's just going to molest the one child that he's in. It's like, dude, are you nuts? It, if, if it's sin, salvation declares that you should get rid of it and stay rid of it. Doesn't matter what the sin is. It does not matter what the sin is. You know, he was saved, but then he got saved. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You don't you don't keep coddling the sin because, well, now he's saved. Doesn't work like that. That's why that demonic grace message is so demonic. Because it keeps people in a place where they're comfortable living in sin because it well, it's it's not it's not what you do, it's what Christ did. No, it's what you do as well. You don't gain your salvation by good works, but you better believe that after you're saved, good works better follow you. And look what Paul said. Romans chapter 6. This is as plain as it can be made. As plain as it can be made. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, I'm going to teach you something that uh, normally would be reserved for Bible study made simple, but I'm going to teach it to you here in this part of the um, broadcast. There's a very interesting... Um, phrase going on here that I want you to see. Now we're in, again, we're in Romans chapter six, verses one through three. And really you could read one through four, but you know, sometimes we read this stuff in, uh, in uh, English and it's not as strong as it, as it really should be Romans chapter six. And really the, the context there is verses one through four. And really, it's the whole chapter. But notice he's teaching that we're dead to sin now and alive to God. We're dead to sin and we're alive to God. When we read in English that Paul uh, says here, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace can abound? By no means. You know, that to us is not really that strong. Uh, the, the New Living Translation says, should we... Uh, continue sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. But let me just say, by no means and of course not are not as strong of phrases as the Greek phrase is here. They're not as strong as the Greek phrase. And the Greek phrase is meganoita. Meganoita. Two words, me, genoita. And those two words together, it's the strongest negation that you could have uttered in the Greek language, meganoita. It's, it's the strongest way you could say no, you know, how, whatever you can think of, that's ridiculous. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's the strongest way you could say no or, or negate a, a, a concept or a mind, a mindset. Meganoita. It's like, you know, we see, of course not, or by no means. It's, it's strong. It's like, no, absolutely no. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We should never do that. That's what Paul's saying. 
When he uses this phrase, phrase meganoita, he's using the strongest negation of a mindset or a thought process that could ever be used in their language, ever. He's saying that this thought that he's suggesting is the dumbest thing you could ever think of because he's teaching on the grace of God. So what are we going to say? Should we continue on sinning so that the grace of God can abound? Are you stupid? That's like, and he's like, I don't know how much stronger you can make it. Paul's giving the strongest. I mean, obviously the ESV and the NLT are not going to translate. Are you stupid? It's like, it's like, you know, I'm actually interested now, like how some of the, the other ones, the new, new American standard Bible says, may it never be, may it never be. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more grace? May it never be. That's what the NASB says. Um, I'm interested about the net Bible. It says, absolutely not, exclamation point. Absolutely not. I always find it interesting the way these different ones uh, translate it. New King James Version. Certainly not. Certainly not. It's extremely strong. Let's see what the Amplified says. Um, same thing. Certainly not. So really, the strongest negation that you could ever get. And that's what's going on. So look at the look at how wicked this is. It's that the devil wants to play a trick where he deceives the body of Christ into not being spiritual people, right? And that's what Paul's rebuking here in both the Galatian church, the Corinthian church, not being spiritual people, and then remembering that the devil is not only at war, but he's going to only operate in the spirit realm, and it's going to affect every area of your life, physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial, spiritual. He's in, he's attacking everything, but notice Paul had to keep saying, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds. You know, it's, it's crazy. I remember... Um, here and the, a preacher was telling me that he had been in the in revivals with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and um, a church had asked him to come hold a revival. He's an evangelist, and uh, he'd been in Dr. Rodney's meetings. Well, that church didn't know that how they felt about those types of Pentecostal meetings like that. Had never seen anything like that before, and so. They had this evangelist scheduled to come to their church. And um, when they came, when he came, they were kind of like, listen, I don't, I don't know. We're not doing it like they do it down there. I know you've been in those meetings, but uh, I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want you trying any of that stuff here. Just have a regular service, regular about, you know, fine, whatever. People get weirded out. They see the laughter. They see people falling out. They see, you know, manifestations of the Holy Ghost. They get freaked out, you know? And so... Um, he, he's, he starts the revival and, um, there's a lot of people there. So when they say, we're going to pray for everybody and the pastor's like, um, we can, let's break the crowd in half. You pray for that side. I'll pray for this side. He's like, all right, no problem. And so the pastor splits the crowd up and he's got his side and he starts going down the line, laying hands on the people and nothing's happening. You know, he's laying hands on each person. And um, nothing's happening to each person. He's just like standing there, hands raised, move to the next person, no result, no, nothing happening. 
And then the evangelist on the other side starts laying hands on people. And I mean, people are getting hit by the Holy Ghost. I mean, power of God, they're crying. They're laughing. Some people falling out in the spirit. Some people take off dancing. I mean, just power of God's hitting on the other side. And the pastor said he laid hands on about two or three more people. And then nothing was happening. The pastor realized that his mistake. He said, I just turned around and got in line myself. <laughs> and realized we need a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost. We can't do it like, like the carnal mind would like to do it. We can't sit around and just play church. We're engaged in warfare. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so you have to understand when you put on the full armor of God, lift up the shield of faith and pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then Paul said, praying at all times um, and for all believers, including Paul, he asked for prayer. You understand that there are spiritual things we need to be doing that keep us in position to have a move of the Holy Ghost that we need to see people impacted and changed. You cannot, you cannot be carnal. Hear me today. You cannot be carnal as a believer and expect to win spiritual battles. You cannot do it. They have to be won spiritually. And there's people that are dealing with serious things. They're dealing with family members that are in trouble. They're dealing with sicknesses that the doctors can't help them with. They're dealing with addictions that they can't get free from. And then there's people that are in the yoke of sin, literally in chains. They're dead in trespasses and sins, and there's no way for them to get out unless the church becomes a spiritual force that will destroy the works of the devil. The works that I do, Jesus said, you will do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. And one of the things Jesus was sent to do, 1 John 3, 8, is to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the devil. And the church today is still anointed to destroy the works of the devil. And can I tell you something? The book of Acts is 28 chapters long. It's 28 chapters long. If you've read through the book of Acts, you know that. But it's interesting when you read it, I'll take you to the 28th chapter. <clears throat> when you read the book of Acts, there is not really a formal end ending, if you will, to the book of Acts. Listen to how the book of Acts ends. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and hindrance. I mean, there's no like, and so keep these words in your mind and make sure that it, there's no benediction. There's no closing. It just kind of cuts off. It cuts off because you know why? Dr. Lester Summerall said that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's you and me, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the 29th chapter of Acts. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments today. I am the 29th chapter of Acts. I am the 29th chapter of Acts. Doesn't mean we're trying to add to the scripture. Doesn't mean we're trying to write more into the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is Acts is a description. The full, the full title of the book is the Acts of the Apostles, the actions of the Apostles. What happened in the early church? What was going on? Well, the, the, the early church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ didn't end after the last apostle died. We're still here today. 
we're still here today. And we are still doing the work of God on the earth. We are still seeing things take place on the earth. We are the 29th chapter of Acts. And see, that's why the devil wants us to be powerless. He doesn't want these things happening anymore. He doesn't want the power of God to sweep through the earth. He doesn't want to see people delivered from sin and delivered from sickness and poverty and delivered from addictions and brokenness. He doesn't want to see it. He wants us to be non-spiritual people, carnal people, while he does all the spiritual work. I don't think so. We're anointed to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. You're anointed to destroy the works of the devil. That'll make you shout. I'm anointed, you're anointed to destroy the works of the devil. And I want to I say this here at the uh, tail end of this broadcast, and that is this. We have to make a conscious effort every day to say, Lord, I'm, I'm staying filled up in faith. I'm staying filled up. I'm stirring up the gift that lies within me. I'm going to operate in supernatural power today. I refuse to allow the enemy to win one battle. I refuse to allow my mind to be attacked. I refuse to allow my family to be destroyed. I refuse to allow my body to be uh, uh, trespassed upon. I refuse it. I refuse to let sin have dominion over me. I have dominion over sin. I take authority over every work of the devil that tries to come against my life. And you stay filled up with power. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in your known language. You stay filled up with God's word. And you keep running toward the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, there's in the victory tribe, that's why I'm mentioning it, there's no room for carnal Christianity. There's no room for this fleshly, uh, go through the motions, not interested in the power of God Christianity. It's not for us. That's The Bible says when you see those people, turn away from them. Don't spend time with them. Cut them off. You don't have time for that. Time's coming to a close. Jesus is coming back. And there's people that need to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I'm praying for every person that's watching and listening to me today. Every person that's uh, in the Victory Tribe, maybe they're on the podcast today. Maybe they're watching the replay of this broadcast. I pray in Jesus' name that you would strengthen them supernaturally. Lord, whatever it is that the enemies tried to use as a foothold in their life, seems like there's one thing they just can't seem to get victory over. Let today be that victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Let today be the day that every attack of the enemy is pushed away, blown away from their home, their life, their family, by the power of your spirit. Strengthen us, Lord, in the Holy Ghost to do what you've called us to do. Strengthen us by your power. We thank you for it, and we give you praise. Lord, I thank you that you're adding members to the Victory Tribe. I thank you that you're adding people from all over. Those that were not connected are connecting, and we're building an army, hallelujah, of on-fire believers that will not bow their knee to the spirit of this world in the mighty name of Jesus. And so we give you praise for it and thanks. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.